I think I'd like to say I'm just the same as you. Anybody watching, there's nothing special about me. I don't have any special skills. You know, I'm a, a pretty normal guy. But if you believe in yourself and those around you believe in you, you can make a real difference. And I think the wish to help fellow man or woman in life is something that has a huge positive influence on you as an individual. And I think we, as individuals, we think of ourselves as inspirational. But what is inspirational is those around me, those colleagues, staff, volunteers, organisations, supporters of our ability that make, together we make such a difference. We, we are nothing without those around us. So everything that Airability does on a daily basis isn't my story. It's the collective story of everybody at Airability and those that make it possible. From adversity to success, you have control. I'm Harriet Pound, and this is the Inspirability Podcast. So you've been CEO of Airability now for... 15 years. Tell me a little bit about what it's like to be a CEO in terms of managing stress and pressure. How do you do that on a day-to-day -day basis? And perhaps what advice can you share with our listeners today? I think a sort of accidental CEO is probably the right word to describe it. It's something I never planned to do. But again, like some of the best things in life, those are the best moments, the best things that you do or the ones you don't plan for, the ones that opportunity just puts on your plate one day. But yeah, it sort of started as, a, as an experiment. Could the charity sustain an employee? Could, it, could I grow it and develop it to build to the goal that we wanted to do, both myself and the trustees of the charity, which was to make aviation as accessible as possible, operating aircraft for the benefit of the disabled community, operated by disabled people as well. Um, and I think that side of it has proven, you know, we are operating lots of airplanes now. We're doing some exciting projects. There's disabled people learning to fly every day, which is brilliant. But inevitably with growth comes challenge. You know, when you're employing a team of people, not just staff, but volunteers as well, doing it in a safe way, in a controlled manner, is not without its challenges. And I often say to people, well, it's not the airplanes that cause the problems, but the issues will take the time. It's building the structure, the people, uh, the training, and the infrastructure to do all that safely. So that's something that we really spend a lot of time to focus on. And I've continued to make a real focus for what I do, is to try and give people the chance to do it, but also do it in a safe way, in a structured way. And that's taken, taken time to learn. Along the way, though, we've become very good experts about safely integrating disabled people and aviation together at the same time. So one of our um, previous guests has um, described you as the best people manager that she knew. So what do you think makes a good leader or a good leader of a team? And what advice can you share with our listeners and viewers today? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm that confident in my abilities, but... It's very nice to hear, but I think I think that sort of, you know, just focusing on that comment a bit more about sort of doubting, self-doubting, imposter syndrome, all those things you hear about. I think those are natural things when you're a leader. You know, do I, what gives me the right to lead this group of people? But I think 
ultimately for me it's about empathy and always try to put yourself in that person's shoes understand the viewpoint that they have and actually then try and build that into your decision your approach to that individual looking at their view as well is is a good approach to management because it's very easy just to look at your view your sometimes blinkered view but by taking that wider approach and understanding different inputs, talking about it, communicating, is ultimately what I sort of use as some of my management mantras really, is just to give everybody their say and take it on board. So you mentioned imposter syndrome just now. When you became CEO of Variability, it was the first time you'd been a CEO. So were there ever any moments when you felt outside of your comfort zone or experienced imposter syndrome? And if so, how did you process and handle those? I think they're healthy things to think. Even now, yeah, I do think the same. I think, you know, what we we all have that little bit of self-doubt, but I think that's natural. I think that's good because that, that self-doubt makes us better. Always striving to do what we do better, support those around us better and deliver more into society at its most basic level is, is a good thing to have. So, yeah, yeah I, I happily admit to having those challenges. And talk to me a bit about, um, within the team then, um, persuading everybody to believe in your vision. Perhaps a situation where there are conflicting viewpoints. How do you unite the team behind you to follow your vision and where you see our ability going? Well, the first point is, is, is you can't do that every time. Ultimately, there will sometimes be challenges and you need to be the boss and put your foot down a little bit and say, OK, well... Thanks, everybody, but, you know, this is the way we're going to go. But again, communication is key. So many things in life are, or challenges are caused by lack of communication and being honest with each other or, or not facing up to things. And I'm guilty of that. I don't like conflict, but sometimes it just, you can put it off for so long, but eventually, you know, the inevitable happens and you do need to challenge and face something head on. But again, you know, those are the, Although it feels horrible at the time, when you do find resolution afterwards, yeah, that becomes a real positive feeling. And when you have to make decisions, particularly decisions under pressure, are there any strategies that you use or you could share with us for how you make decisions? Yeah, I think keep people safe, particularly in the aviation environment where, you know, there is no doing that in a, in a half-hearted way. You've got to do that first. I think in a charity or in any organisation, you sometimes lose sight of the, the, real, the real thing that you should always be doing every day, which is to provide the very best service to the people that you support. So for us, it's to give the very best services to disabled people with an interest in aviation. It's not about, you know, the paint or the building or the, the fundraising or the people we need to employ or thinking about our staff or volunteers. Looking after them is a key, really important, but really it's about keeping focused on the end goal, not getting distracted by all the, all the other noise that is a day-to-day -day part of any organisation. So, Mike, as a leader, how do you deal with any setbacks within the organisation? That's a really good question. I think the first point to say is that setbacks are inevitable. Failure is inevitable. Life isn't always perfect. Things could go wrong. That's both in our personal lives and where we work. And those around us that we support as families or, 
or work colleagues, there will be failure. So the first thing to say is, yeah, don't be afraid of that failure. But what I say to people is, don't, you don't have to climb over that wall. There may be a way to walk around the edge of it. So it's about exploring all those other potential solutions, other ways of doing things, talking to people, seeing if there's any ideas in the team about possible resolutions. And generally, there's a way around it. You know, we've had some real challenges over the years here at Arability. You know, when we were a much smaller, less established charity, you know, financially, it was really tricky to keep keep things going. We didn't have enough money to, to pay the bills some months. But, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And I know that's a cliche. But if you want to do it, if you really want to do it, and you've got a great team, then you can pull it together. You can turn it around and you can resolve it. Often it's not the challenge, or sorry, not the solution you first think it will be, but somehow you will find a way. But if you don't try, you'll never know. So I would say to people, don't, yeah, you can feel down in the dumps about it for a little bit, but then, but let me try to get on with it. Are there any situations where perhaps you've got regrets, but you've learned from them moving forwards and it's been part of a learning process? Yeah, I think as human beings, we learn every day, don't we? So... I think that's part of getting older, greyer, fatter, wiser, whatever. You do, uh, you can reflect on past experiences and hopefully not make the same mates twice. Not always, but generally, I think you, you can use those experiences, those people that have influenced you when you were growing up, to hopefully do things in a better way. And so you touched earlier on sort of staying motivated. What about procrastination? Do you have any tips or tricks for overcoming procrastination for our viewers? Uh, well, I'm afraid I do fit the gender stereotype. I think boys generally do put things off a bit longer. Uh, but yeah, you can only do that for so long. So if you don't deal with it, it's going to come and bite you on the bum one day. So you, you, I would really encourage everybody just to, uh, just to sort it, get it out of the way, and then move on to the next challenge. Because if... If, this, if things start building up, then they do start becoming a challenge, much bigger challenge in the first place. So perhaps sort of incremental steps day by day. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I do. I'm liking my uh, cliches today, but you can only eat an elephant one bite at a time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you gotta you got to break it down into manageable. So, Mike, you mentioned setbacks. Have you ever drawn on mentors throughout your time as CEO or throughout your experience? And if so, what advice would you give to anybody either thinking about becoming a mentor or looking for mentors? Absolutely. I think I was lucky that family mentors, my parents, really instilled some really positive values in me from, uh, from a young age. But again, aviation does have some fabulous personalities and experienced people within it. So I was really lucky when I started my flying career to be exposed to some amazing people, which taught me life lessons that always stick with me in terms of how to do things from a business perspective, how to treat people, how to dream big. I think when I was starting to glide, at the other end of the age spectrum was the generation that effectively rebuilt the UK after the Second World War. Uh, and those individuals just taught me that sort of nothing is impossible sort of mentality. Uh, and those are things that I take forward today. Now I'm becoming part of that older generation myself. Well, not, you know, not too much, I hope, but moving towards it. Uh, it's great to see the next generation of young people 
coming up to aviation and thinking, great, there's a there's a new community of, of people that are going to fly, going to try and promote aviation, but also promote and lead to disabled aviation, which is something that I've invested heavily into, and it's great to see. Uh, hopefully, I can advise that next generation to to do what we've been doing thus far. And I remember there was a, one individual in particular, a guy called Roger Dixon, who was 85. When I first met him, he had one arm, but he was still flying, he still was doing aerobatics, still had an instrument rating with his own Cap 10 aeroplane. And uh, he worked with me on the project to rebuild the first aeroplanes for the charity. He really took the lead and I really learned so much from him. Uh, it's just about resilience and just be cheeky, make the ask, don't ask, don't get. Those are things which still stand us in good stead today. So you mentioned about dreaming big as well. So in terms of dreaming big and growth mindset, why do you think a growth mindset is important? Well, I think it's, it's within humanity to want to move things forward, you know, to grow things to do things better, to give opportunities to more people, to journey from A to B. So I think that's that's just the way we get better at what we do is to have that move forwards. You know, we don't want to step back, do we, in life? And I don't think an organisation should be the same. Sometimes you do need to slow things down. At the moment, we are facing challenges economically, aren't we? The world is a more challenging place after COVID, so you do need to take your foot off the gas sometimes. But then put your foot back on the gas when you can. And what advice would you give to any of our viewers and listeners who perhaps are struggling with self-confidence or struggling to push themselves out of their comfort zone? Is there anything you could share with them today that would help? Well, confidence, nervousness, worrying about that is in all of us. I think that's, that's a human trait, but actually... You've only got one life, so push yourself a bit. And you just don't know where that might take you. You know, you might surprise yourself. In fact, you will surprise yourself. So just go for it. So in terms of the future, then, what's next for Mike? Well, I think continuing to steer urbanity towards not just providing more service to more people in more areas of the UK, but to be part of that future of aviation. So our work with eVTOL, with uh, the future of flight, uh, the drone side of things. Also working with airlines, employers, airports, all parts of the aviation industry to become more aware of disability. Disability issues is key. Also, most excitingly, we've just started work on a European Space Agency topical team to explore disabled people going to space into low Earth orbit. You know, we can't leave disabled people behind when we start travelling into space. So these feel like weird, wacky, crazy, futuristic things to talk about, but that'll soon be here. And to be part of those future discussions and steering that community, for example, the space community, to think about disability is a really cool thing to be part of, part of the future. So I can imagine this is a path that you would never have envisaged going down 20 or 30 years ago. So if Mike pre-wheelchair walked into the room right now, what would you say to him? I would say you got some tough times ahead, but don't worry, you'll get through it and you'll 
you'll do things which ultimately will, not just you, will thoroughly enjoy, but also will positively influence thousands of people with, with similar challenges that you're going to go through. But actually, that should be a, a huge motivation, and ultimately, it has been, it continues to be. And what do you think anybody listening or watching this can learn from your incredible story of resilience in terms of perhaps taking control of the situation that, that they're facing? What would you like to share? I think I'd like to say I'm just the same as you. Anybody watching, there's nothing special about me. I don't have any special skills. You know, I'm a, a pretty normal guy. But if you believe in yourself and those around you believe in you, and you talk to people around you and listen to people around you, learn from those around you when you are moving forward in life, you can make a real difference. And I think the wish to help fellow man or woman in life is something that has a huge positive influence on you as an individual. So, oh, yeah. yeah, just be part of life, be part of those around you. Brush yourself, do something crazy like fly an airplane. Look what, look what it did for me. So, Mike, this is an incredibly inspiring story and you're an incredibly inspiring person. What do you think is your biggest asset? Well, it's very kind of you to say it. You know, I don't, I don't think we, as individuals, we think of ourselves as inspirational. But what is inspirational is those around me, those colleagues, staff, volunteers, organisations, supporters of our ability that make, together we make such a difference. So I think that, that, that point about teamwork is absolutely key. We are none of us without those. We, we are nothing without those around us. So everything that Airability does on a daily basis isn't my story. It's the collective story of everybody at Airability and those that make it possible. And I think, you know, it's my privilege to, uh, to be sort of at the front of that. But yeah, someone's got to do it. But ultimately, it's about everybody standing behind me. That's what makes it possible. Mike, thank you so much for today. It's been fascinating to hear your story of overcoming adversity, showing extreme resilience, persistence, determination in the face of adversity. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today at Inspirability. I'm sure your story will resonate with many of our viewers in one way or another. So thank you so much for sharing it with us and for your time. You're welcome, Harry. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Remember to tune into the next episode of Inspirability. Subscribe to our channel to find all of our previous episodes and new releases.